Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Good morning, and uh, if I have not met you, my name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here, and I'm pumped you're here because we're uh, continuing in a series that we started just last week called Whiteboard Sessions, and this is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, my staff and, and a lot of our leaders can tell you I love getting in front of a whiteboard and teaching. There's just something about it that I don't know why. It just unleashes something in me. And so uh, we're walking through a series where we're going to share some of, I think, some of the most important lessons uh, that God has for us, and we're going to be able to give you a visual aid from a whiteboard. There's just something very powerful about that, and so I'm excited. And listen, uh, a lot of times I have a story to lean into, and I'll, I'll set you up. Listen, I got none of that today because this is such an important teaching. I'm not going to waste any time uh, with any anecdotes and all that kind of stuff. Here's what I'll say. In my 42 year, years of experience with, you know, life, <laughs> uh, there's one thing that consistently I've found that I fail at and that people, well, all of us fail at, and it is communication. Can I get an amen from anybody? All right? So the reality is, is that we all have to communicate in our, in our life. We just do. And it's something that many of us, pretty much all of us, have times that we struggle at. It's where it creates so much tension and controversy in our marriages, dealing with our children, in, uh, in our workspaces, with our neighbors, with friends and family. Many of us struggle with communication. I want to take today and I want to share the power of communication from God's word and, and, and help you take some practical steps uh, in that today. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to pull it out. Uh, we're going to be in a few places, but I want to start in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, you can pull up the Home Church app. You can pull up uh, the Version Bible app. You can also look here on the screens. And if you're watching online, it's going to be right here at my feet. Uh, but I want to dive into uh, this idea of communication really quickly. All right. So Genesis 11, starting in verse one, here's what the word of the Lord says. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, and they settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. All right, I'm going to pause there real quick. So uh, there's so much happening here. This is the first uh, instance of technology in Scripture. I know for us, you're like, wait, what? Yeah, but like stone, bricks, this was technology to them. Also, it said something really interesting. It said that the whole world had one language and a common speech. Question, is that true of the world that you live in? No, not for me either, right? In fact, here's where I learned this most drastically. Uh, my wife and, and our family and I went on a 14-day European world where we're hitting uh, London and, and France and, and Rome and Germany and all these different places. And y'all, it got so bad in the way of language because here we are, you know, Americans, and that's all we speak is American. I know it's English, okay. Uh, but we can't communicate. It got so bad that we were looking for restaurants that only had pictures in their menus so we could like pick an order, right? That's how bad it was. And so as I start to read this, I see a people who are speaking one language and there's common speech for them and they're doing life. They're, they're, they're creating, uh, they're doing incredible things. They have technology. And, uh, and then it goes on to, to say this in verse four. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens 
so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, uh, a lot of times people give them a hard time because they're trying to build what we now know is the Tower of Babel. And a lot of people say, see, that's what happens when you get all ambitious. But the problem is, is and, and this is, this is a, an extra word. This is not about communication. This is just for someone today, especially in the way of leadership, maybe in the way of uh, entrepreneurship and innovation. There is nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with it, okay? The problem was their motives. They were trying to build a tower that reached to the heavens for two reasons. One, so that they may make a name for themselves. Problem, okay? That's pride. The other part, they said, well, we're gonna do this so that otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They were doing this out of pride and, pride and ambition and fear, right? And so I just wanna encourage you, ambition, nothing wrong with it. Your motives change everything, all right? That's just an extra word for the leader in the room because I love leaders, all right? So it goes on to say this in verse five. <laughs> it says, but the Lord came down. Now, I don't know about you, but when the Lord comes down, y'all, it's either about to get real good or real bad, okay? And so the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building, and watch this. This is critical. If you take nothing else away from today, grab this. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Did you read that? Did you see what the scripture said? This isn't, this isn't Moses, this isn't Noah, this isn't Joshua, this isn't even one of the disciples. This is the word of the Lord. I'll read it to you again. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. That's huge. So then, verse seven, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not be able to understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth. So one of the things they were afraid about happened. <laughs> and they stopped building the city so their name was not made great. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. You know why when we travel, there's not one language and one common speech? It's because of this moment. The Lord scattered the, the languages in this moment. The Lord said that, co that communication is so critical that if people are speaking the same language, if they begin to do a work, there's nothing they can't accomplish. That's the Lord's words, not mine. And so because of the way that they were operating, he chose to confuse their languages and so I want to tell you today, here's kind of my thesis, and I want to share this, and I want to teach this to you. I believe that based on what the Word of God says, that communication is the foundation for all results. I'll say it again. I believe that communication is the foundation for all results, okay? So, uh, so I, want to, I want to teach to you a little, if that's okay. I'm going to pull out the whiteboard, and it's already out here, and I got my little pen. Now, here's... Here, if you've never been with us before, don't worry, my handwriting's terrible. You're gonna have a hard time reading, but that's okay. So let me ask you a question. If communication, is the foundation for all results, we gotta understand a little bit about communication. So let me ask you a question, and it's okay, you can talk back to me. In fact, if you don't, we'll be here longer. <laughs> so. Talk to me. Uh, tell me, 
What are some modes and ways in which people communicate? What does it look like? Body language. What else? Words. What else? Actions. Yep. What else? Say that again. Tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So there's lots of ways in which we communicate. Let me, let me put a phrase to you. Let me see if you can agree with me on this. That everything we say or do communicates something. Can you agree with that? Okay. Let me take a, a step further. What about this? Even the things we don't say and the things that we don't do communicate something. Well, I got some more amens on that, right? So here's what you said. You said, because you agreed with this, that everything we say and do and everything we don't say and do communicates something. Did you hear what you said? So in this way, all that we do, all that we say, all that we don't do, all that we don't say communicates something to someone. Now, we, we communicate in so many different ways, but today I want to help you understand that there's a couple of things that you really got to grab onto because if communication is the foundation for all results, that's, this is where we're going to build from. When we communicate well, there are three C's, all right? Clear, concise, and compelling. We've got to communicate in those three ways. When we talk, when we communicate, when we do things, when we don't do things, we need to be clear. Dave Ramsey says to be, un to be unclear is to be unkind. We need to be clear. We also need to be concise. Now, this is where pastors and preachers get themselves in a lot of trouble, man. We got a point and then three subpoints and two subpoints to the subpoints, right? I'm gonna try not to do that today. I wanna try to be concise. I just wanna say what needs to be said and move on. And the last part is when we communicate, we need to be compelling. We need to be able to move people. That's one of my jobs as a communicator is to communicate in such a way that it moves you towards something, right? So in all of the things that we do, all of the things that we say, all of the things that we don't do, all of the things that we don't say, we need to be clear, concise, and compelling in them. Now, to be effective at communication, here's what you've got to do. You've got to communicate these ways, and you've got to do it consistently over time. Consistently over time. Bosses get themselves in a lot of trouble because they will give a, a rule or a, or a thing. We do this with our children sometimes. You'll tell them one thing to do, and you'll walk away, and they don't do it, and you come back, and you're upset. They don't listen. They don't listen. That's not true. You just didn't communicate well. Uh, I'll give you an example. Jackson, who's my oldest son, when he was little, we had a couple of stair steps that led up to a toaster oven. And every morning we would toast him a bagel and he'd climb up there and I would say the same thing to him inevitably every morning. Hey, Jackson, the toaster oven's hot. Don't touch it. Okay? So we'd go through and bake up the, the bagel and he'd get it and we'd move on. Next day. Uh, now, a part of this is because I'm also a helicopter dad, okay? So I admit that. But next day, he climbs up. Jackson, don't touch the toaster oven. You know why? Why? It's hot. Jackson, don't touch the toaster oven. It's hot. Jackson, I'm telling you, buddy, don't touch the toaster oven. That thing's hot. As many different ways as I could say it until one day I decided, I think he's got it. You know what happens? Touch the toaster oven. And you know what? It was hot. Right? See, oftentimes this happens in our marriage, uh, guilty, where I'll say something to Katie one time 
and it might have even been 10 years ago, and I expect, like, that's it. Like, I, that's all I, never, I ever needed to say it that one time, right? <laughs> uh, this happens to us all the time in places that we work, with friends, with neighbors, in relationships. We don't communicate effectively. And, and because we don't, we're not clear, we're not concise, we're not compelling, and we don't communicate consistently over time, this is where it starts to break down. But when we do that, when we communicate effectively, consistently over time, you know what it does in our relationships? It builds trust, right? It builds trust. This is what we do when we date. We go out on dates and we sit and we just talk for hours and talk, 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 right? We're, we're building a level of trust with people. This is what we do with our children when we sit and we talk to them and we ask them how their day was and what did you learn at school and what, what happened with this and that, right? We're building relationship. This is what we, we do here. We try to communicate well. We have you meet different people. We have a lot of different touch points. We're trying to build a level of trust with you, right? This is how we grow in our relationships, and when we communicate effectively, consistently over time, we build a level of trust. Then we get to this part of our relationship where we have a commitment, all right? I finally got to a place where I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to put a ring on the finger. I'm ready to take a new job with a new place because I believe it's the right fit for me. I'm ready to join that church. I'm ready to uh, whatever it might be. We get to a place of commitment. Uh, Andy Stanley says that commitment is this. It is to assume the best. Whoa. How many of us in our relationships are doing this? We're committed, and in that commitment, we assume the best of things and people. When we operate in this fashion, we communicate effectively, consistently over time. We build to a level of trust. We get to a level of commitment where we can assume the best about someone. I'll give you a great for instance. Uh, Katie and my boys went camping this week. No cell service. Three days. Hadn't heard from them. I assume they're alive. Right? I'm assuming the best. <laughs> right? I figure if she's dead or something happened, somebody called me. Right? So I'm assuming the best. It's a terrible example. When we get to a level of commitment, it then leads us to teamwork. This is where your relationships at work and your family and your, your friends and your coworkers and all this stuff, like we start to work together as a team. I love working in teams. I love my staff team. I loved being on teams. I loved being in my high school choir. I love playing baseball. I, I enjoy teams because when and you've ever been in a good, healthy environment, you know there's good communication, there's trust. We're committed to one another to the same purpose. We're working together as a team, and that's awesome. And eventually we keep working together as a team. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna become unified. We're gonna see some unity in what we do, right? Here's the difference between teamwork and unity. There's a difference. Uh, now, I'm not condoning violence whatsoever. Let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. Not condoning violence whatsoever. But the difference between teamwork and unity is this. If I have an open hand and I slap something, it's going to leave a mark, right? It just is. Now, again, should I say it one more time? I'm going to communicate effectively, consistently over time. I'm not condoning violence. But when you slap something, you're going to leave a mark with an open hand, right? And this is what teamwork looks like. We all have one idea, and we're moving together, but we kind of have our own thing, right? Wherever we go, same team, but our own kind of individual purposes. 
But when we work together and we're unified, we all have the same purpose and we're all heading in the same direction. You understand? Now, I can make a mark with teamwork, but I can do damage, especially damage for good when I'm unified. You understand? That's like good teaching, right? It's good. And ultimately, here's what happens. We see the results that we want. When we communicate effectively, consistently over time, we build a level of trust. We get to uh, being committed to a thing or a person or an idea. And then we start to work together as a team to see it come to life. We become unified and we do damage for good. We're going to see the results that we desire, right? But here's the, this is exciting, And this is what we want. If you're a leader, this is what you want. If you're in a church, this is what you want. If you're a parent, this is what you want. If you're in a relationship, this is what we want. We want to, as one people, speak the same language, be on the same page, anything will be possible for us. That's what the Lord said, right? But here's the problem. Oh, yeah. We got to flip the whiteboard every now and then. That's not how it always goes, is it? Zoop. Doesn't it go like this sometimes? When we fail to communicate clearly, concisely, compellingly, in an effective, consistent way, you know what the first thing that we lose when we don't do it? Yep. You ever lied to your partner? You ever lied to your kids? You ever been untrue and unfaithful at work? You ever just didn't tell somebody something and just let the results be what they will? At some point, these things start to create a gap. This gap right here between a failure of communication and trust, to me, is the most difficult gap in the human existence to cross. Because once we've lost trust with one another, it's so hard to get it back, right? It's so hard to get it back. It's so hard to get back in good graces. It's so hard to get someone to trust you again, to believe that your word is good, to believe that you actually have good intentions. It's so hard. And it continues to go down from there. We fail to communicate effectively. We lose trust. And then, you know what we're not going to be? We're not going to be committed We're not going to be committed to something. You know what we start to do? We start to assume. Who said it? Someone said it. We start to assume the worst. At work, somebody's consistently out sick, or they got a flat tire every week. How many flat tires can you have on a car? Like, man, we start to assume the worst in people. We haven't been uh, communicating well with our spouse and all of a sudden they're staying work a a little late uh, and there's like this weird uh, thing that they do when you're around and they're on their phone and you all of a sudden start to think, you know, something's going on. Your kids are uh, not not communicating. They're hiding in the room, especially when they become teenagers and and all of a sudden you're thinking, they're on drugs. They're they're on drugs, you know? I mean, we, we, we assume the worst, right? They hate me, they're gonna run away. We, we start to, this is what happens. And, and then you know what happens? Oh my gosh. When we're not committed to something or someone, we're certainly not gonna work together as a team. You know why? Because I don't even wanna look at you, let alone work with you. If you've ever been through a difficult relationship and been divorced, 
you know that moment right there. Committed to you? Work with you? Yo, I don't even want to be in the same house as you. We're not going to be unified. And if we are unified, it's around the fact that we don't want to be around each other. We don't like each other. We don't agree. This is where the state of politics in our nation is. This is the state of our culture. People talk about, people are screaming for unity all over the place. You know why? Because it is impossible to have right now. Because we can't communicate to one another. And so then, you know where we land? Our results are in the crapper. Yeah, if you're here for the first time, I say stuff like that. Yeah, It's okay. I, I say it in front of my kids too, so it's all good. So here's where, I, here's where I stand on this. I believe, and I believe scripture is clear, communication is the foundation for all results, good and bad, good and bad. So I, I wanna just ask you a, a question, and then I wanna share just a couple of things with you, and we're gonna get out of here. I want you to think about some of the most important relationships that you have right now. Your spouse, your children, um, maybe, maybe in-laws, maybe your boss at work or coworkers or your employees that you lead. And I want you to think about this, uh, this paradigm of where things maybe are in maybe some of the most important relationships. And I bet you, if you are able to label it in one way, good or bad, and, and, and here's the way, I, I just wanna be encouraging <laughs> So I don't want it all to be in a negative light. I'll show you the positive side of this. Like, where do those relationships stand? And if you're operating in a committed area, I think you should be able to look back and probably say, hey, our, our communication is pretty good. I think it's a really clear way to understand where you are. Here's what the Word of God says about communication. Here's a couple of things. This is why it's critical. Proverbs 12, 8 says this, a person is praised according to their prudence and one is warped, uh, one with a warped mind is despised. Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The word of God has lots of direction on what it looks like to communicate well. There's lots we can learn. And so I'm gonna give you some practical application and then I'm gonna close this out. Something really encouraging. Here's the, here's the practical application. I want you to do this. And if you're taking notes, write, write some of this down. I want you to think about the most important relationship in your life right now. Think about it. The most important relationship in your life right now. Number two, I want you to diagnose where that relationship is on this paradigm in the way of your communication with them. Where does it land? This is practical for you to take home and do. What's the most important relationship you have? Diagnose it. Where does it land on this scale? No, number three is that you need to do this. You need to acknowledge it with that person. You need to say, hey, I need you to know, like our relationship is important to me. And so because of that, here's where I feel like our relationship is. 
And I wanted to just tell you, I think it's either really good, I think we're in a good spot, I think we're, we're seeing good results, I think we're working together as a team, I think we trust each other, I think our trust is broken, I think we're falling apart, I think we need to break up. I just walked you through the whole list, right? Diagnose it. Acknowledge it with them. Talk to them about it. Share with them. You can even draw this up and tell them, you, take, take, I need you to take 20 minutes and watch this message from my pastor. We're going to talk about it, okay? Then the last thing is this. I want you to then create simple, practical steps because here's what I believe. Wherever you land, you're going to be able to look back to your effectiveness in how you communicate with one another as the foundation for where your relationship is. And so if it's good, I want you to go back. Talk about why is it good? What are we doing well? Let's acknowledge it. Let's diagnose this. Let's maybe say, here are some things that we can do to move from committed to teamwork. If it's broken, what are some practical things that you can do to move in the way you communicate with one another? I'll give you a couple of examples. I I wrote these down. Here's some simple things that you can do to start to communicate. Because remember, you said this. You said that everything we do, everything that we say, everything we don't do, and everything we don't say communicate something, right? So what about this? Husbands, what if you started to kiss your wife every day before you leave and tell her you love her? Simple, practical, what does that communicate? Mamas, I know most of y'all do this already, but what, what would it look like to hug your kids before or they leave the house every single day, look them in the eye and say, I love you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. What would that do for them? What would that do for you to be able to communicate that to them? Uh, what if you were to set a calendar note to text or call your mom on the way to work once a week? Maybe your dad, your grandma, whoever that might be that's in your life but maybe separated a little bit that you know you need to be connected to. What would it be like just to be intentional about reaching out to them? Uh, What if you were to set a monthly standing dinner with your sibling? Right? Again, I'm just trying to be simple. I'm trying to be very practical in relationships that are real to all of us, right? And uh, the last one is this. And this comes from something I literally, I practiced this this week. And it was game-changing for me, personally. I'll just tell you, it was game-changing for me. I hope it was impactful for the person I met with. But what if you make a point to tell those around you how much they mean to you? Before they die, before they get sick, not on a special occasion, just one morning over breakfast, just let it loose on them. I love you. You mean a ton to me. I'm grateful for your presence in my life. I love when you think about this way. I love when you talk to me. I love when you encourage this. Just let loose on them and encourage them and communicate with them what they mean to you. See, we're good at that when someone's gone. We'll stand up on a, on a stage during a funeral and tell them how much they meant to us. We're good at that when they're laying on a deathbed. We're, we're really good at that after it's too late. What would it mean to communicate effectively consistently in the right time, in the right moment, in the right season, with the right people. I think it can change everything. So it doesn't just end with us, though. 
Because I know you are thinking, well, that's a really good self-help talk. <laughs> Listen, we live life, don't we? I think, I think that it is important when we gather. Part of my job is to equip you, to equip you for works of service. And guess what? You do service with other people. You do life with other people. This is one of the most important teachings that I have to dispense because of how practical it is in so many of our lives. But I also want to show you how this is played out in the kingdom of God as well. Because, you know, we, we meet these people. This is Noah's sons, and, and they're starting to settle, even though God had told them not to settle. They have ambition and desire to be innovative and to create and to make a name for themselves, and they do it out of pride and out of fear. And God says that the power of language is so strong that if one people speak the same language, nothing they do will be impossible for them. So the Lord... Uh, all three of our one Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I don't know if you caught it, he said, let us, that is one of the first mentions of the Trinity in Scripture, let us go down, and he confused the language. And, and that's, that's how most of our world operates, except for everything changed with Jesus. So Jesus comes to earth Jesus is God's only son. He comes to earth. He's born of a virgin Mary. He lives a perfect life, obedient to the law, does everything that we can't do. He is ultimately uh, accused. He's put on trial. He is convicted, and he is murdered. He is hung on a cross. He's executed. Jesus, God's only son, dies. And in that moment, he carries the weight and the penalty of your sin and mine in that moment. They put him in a tomb. We sang about it today. He was there for three days, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus got back up out of the grave. He walked the earth for 40 days, showing that he is real and he is alive. Then he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father right now. He's interceding on your behalf and on mine, and he says he's coming back someday. But right before Jesus ascends back into heaven, he uh, had his disciples gather, he, and he tells them, hey, I'm going to send you a helper, and it's going to change everything for you. And then Jesus ascends into heaven, and then Acts 2 happens. If you have your Bible, go to Acts 2. I want to show you this. In Genesis 11, God confused the language. No one spoke. Everyone spoke in different languages, had no idea what they were saying. Look at this, Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the helper comes. Watch what happens. Verse one, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, say, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, watch, from every nation under heaven. Okay, it's important. The Holy Spirit falls through the power of the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues, but these were Jews gathered from all over, meaning they all spoke different languages, but now we're speaking and able to understand each other. Verse six, when they heard this sound, the sound of people from all over the world speaking one language that people could understand again, 
When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So, real quickly. Genesis. One language, common speech, we're able to do anything. God's like, nah, homie, this ain't gonna work. Y'all gonna ruin this. He confuses the language. Jesus comes to reconcile us to God. And the first thing that he does is he sends the helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit falls. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit did was reinstitute the power of language, the power of communication, not for the world, for the church. For the church, for his people. People from all over the world speaking their own language, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, able to understand each other. Why? Why? Kind of makes no sense if you really stop to think about it. Why? What difference does it make if they understand each other? It makes all the difference in the world. Because God knew from the foundation of the earth that his son would pay the price for your sin and that he would be the way to reconcile all of us to God the Father. We call that the gospel, the good news. Uh, in the, in the, the, the Greek word, it's euangelion. And this means it's a proclamation of a new king and a new kingdom. Uh, this would actually happen even before Jesus. A proclamation of new kings and new kingdoms happened all the time. A new Caesar would be appointed, a new king would come into play. There would be a gospel, euangelion. This predates Jesus, actually, this idea. But here we have Jesus and his disciples have this good news that they want to proclaim, a euangelion. And whenever there's a euangelion, a, a gospel, a proclamation, there would be a herald who would step out and unfurl the scroll and proclaim the good news of a new king and a new kingdom. And they did it with their mouth. If you keep reading in Acts chapter two, the very next thing that happens is Peter stands up amongst the disciples and with power and precision, he clearly, concisely, and in a very compelling way communicated and proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. He declared that Jesus had conquered death, hell, and the grave. He declared that for anyone that would put their trust and their faith in him, that they would be saved. And in that moment, through the power of the spoken word, dedicated and given through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter, the first act after the Holy Spirit falls, he institutes the power of language and communication again for the purpose of communicating and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, I'm not gonna go out there and tell people about Jesus. I'm just gonna live my life and they'll see Jesus through me. Nah, homie, you got it wrong. That ain't the way. Should you live a good, right, and holy, and righteous life? Yeah, good, amen. But we are called to proclaim the gospel with our voice. How do I know? Here's what Paul tells the Romans. Romans 10, 14 and 15. How then can they call on the name they have not believed in? How can someone be saved? 
How can they call on it? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them, proclaiming with words? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring (laughs) good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the euangelion. How beautiful are the feet of those who stand and through the power of the Holy Spirit with words proclaim and unfurl the scroll that Jesus, the Son of God, came and paid the price for your life. He wants to reconcile you to God the Father. He's given you all that you need if you would just simply put your faith and your trust in him. Believe in who he is, that he is the Son of God, and he paid the price for your sin. And I came today to preach to you, to proclaim to you, to tell you, not just live my life and hope you see it, to declare to you that Jesus is Lord and that God the Father loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, that if you would just believe in him, that you would not perish, but you would live on spiritually forever in the presence of God. Peter preached on that day of Pentecost using words, communicating. What better thing to be really good at communicating than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Peter preaches and 3,000 people are saved in that moment. 3,000 people. I submit to you that communication is the foundation for all results. In your life, in your relationships, in your workplace, with your children, when you communicate effectively, consistently over time, it's gonna build good, healthy relationships. When you fail to, they will deteriorate. I hope that practically this helps you today. But more importantly, I came today to tell you and to communicate as clearly, concisely, and as compellingly as I've got in me to tell you this one truth. That right now as you sit and you hear me talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is still active. He didn't just fall at Pentecost. He moves amongst his people. And if God is stirring your heart right now over the proclamation of the good news, he calls you to respond to that Peter preached and 3,000 people were saved. Today, I'll preach. I don't know what God's got for us. But here's all I know. In that moment, Peter preached Jesus. And the Spirit cut their heart. And they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And 3,000 people were saved. Here's my question for you. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Oh, I know that you've been raised in the South and you know all about him. You know all the Bible verses and you know all the stories and you know all that stuff. Your mom and daddy and grandmom and granddaddy, they raised you right. They tried to tell you. But there is a difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God personally. The way I like to say it is that there's a difference 
of about 18 inches, and that's the space between your head and your heart, about 18 inches difference. And in the South, there's a, 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 a pandemic of people who think they know all about God, but don't actually know him. Romans tells us that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you would be saved. So as Peter stood on the day of Pentecost, I stand before you today, and I invite you to confess and believe. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? There's a whole lot to this walk with Jesus, but at the very beginning of it, it's actually very simple. What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that God actually physically raised him from the dead? Do you believe those things? If you truly do, I'll ask you to confess it with your mouth right now. I'm gonna lead all of us in a prayer and this is for the benefit of anyone who may be saying this for the first time. It's not a magical prayer. It absolutely all that matters is the posture of your heart. Do you mean it? I'll invite all of us to say this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, say it out loud with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm lost without you. I need you in my life. Will you forgive me? I believe that you are the son of God. I believe you are raised from the dead. Will you save me today? And help me walk with you for the rest of my days, the best I know how. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.